Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. In the beginning, in the beginning, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Before that, nothing. Nothing. I mean, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Before that, nothing. God saw the light, and by that light, we too see. God then makes the very first judgment call in all of history. It says in Scripture that he saw that the light was good first declaration um, of goodness. He separated the light from the darkness and what you and I call creation then proceeded to something we now call day and night. Night and day. Light literally makes the difference between night and day. Without light, there's literally no life. Light is essential to life. Scientists will tell you, light is actually required for the production of the air we breathe. Um, so the, you know, you and I are uh, breathing oxygen and CO2, and we're exhaling the CO2 back out. And, um, and so the trees are, through a process called photosynthesis, uh, taking that CO2 and making oxygen. It's just the craziest thing, right? Light is required for photosynthesis. So for the production of the air we breathe, trees need light. The cycles of the oceans are dependent on light. The magnetic fields of the planet that we call home are dependent on light, gravity, warmth, vision, weather. And then there's Jesus, who comes as the one who is the light of the world. Jesus makes a night and day difference. But people loved the darkness more than the light, rejected the one who is the very light of life. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, who is the light of the world, turns to his disciples and says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house and in the same way. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's the basis of uh, the song that you might have learned as a child, This Little Light of Mine. But here's the thing. The little light isn't yours, and it isn't mine. This light that animates my life is the very light of Christ. A life not animated in Christ is dark and ultimately lifeless. 
There's some related verses um, that I don't want you to miss in relationship to this conversation uh, about light and life. Because when Jesus says to us as his disciples, you are the light of the world. And when he says, let your light show so shine before others that they would see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Jesus doesn't just have any little light in mind. He doesn't have in mind, you know, the the way you light up a room. He he has the power of his animating personality in mind. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have what? The light of life. This little light of mine as a Christian is the light of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Paul says in Ephesians 5, 8, you were once darkness. Not you were once in darkness or you once were overcome by darkness. No, you were once darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, live as children of light. Really only two options, children of darkness or children of light. 1 John uh, 1, verses 1 to 10, that which was from the beginning, which, by the way, what is from the beginning? Who is from the beginning? All right. So in the beginning, uh, God created, right? And he said, let there be light, all right? Also in the beginning, if you go to the very beginning of the gospel of John, in the beginning was what? Well, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And who is that? Well, that's Jesus. And what is Jesus? The light of the world. 1 John um, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. For that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the Word of life, the life of was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie. We don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we only deceive ourselves. For the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God um, is available to you today. And if you saturate your life with the word of God, 
you are going to be awakened to the awareness of darkness within you and the darkness around you. And then you will discover with the prophet Isaiah that God's light will break forth like the dawn. Healing will quickly appear. And the glory of the Lord will be yours. This little light of mine is the light of Christ. And it's available to you as well. And you make it available to others. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Next, we're going to turn our attention to the headline news of the day. All right, I was uh, at a fundraising event last night for um, for a ministry in the community where I live. And, um, you know, and somebody at some point then asked, well, what do you do? Right. Because that's you know, sort of how the conversation tends to roll in the world today. And uh, and so, I don't know, we'd been sitting at the same table for hours at that point, and uh, her eyes, like, lit up, like, oh, you're on the radio. Well, how can I listen to you? And so we talked about how she could listen. And so, Therese, if you're listening right now, good morning. This is what we do here uh, on Mornings with Carmen. We bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. And we do so after we get into the Word of God, so that the Word of God can get into us, so that when we get out there into the world that God so loves, we can do so in ways that honor Jesus, because everybody's full of something. And we want to be full of grace and truth as we enter into the conversations of the day. So, um, headlines. What are the headlines where you are? Um, And so, the first choice that you're going to have to make every day is what headlines are you going to bring to the forefront? What's going to be on like the front page news um, for you and the conversations that you're going to be in today? Uh, and the the choice behind that list is where do you get your news? Because everything is filtered through someone's perspective and worldview and journalistic approach before you and I ever read it or receive it. So sources actually do matter. Getting as close as you can to the uh, primary source actually matters. That's why we value the Word of God itself over above what somebody says about the Word of God, right? We also value the truth, and we want to know the truth no matter how difficult the truth might be to hear. We want to know the truth no matter how difficult the truth might be to hear. I mean, we don't want to hear somebody say, you can't handle the truth. We, we, we want to know the truth. And so we got to find people who will tell us the truth so that we might be able to respond as people of faith to reality itself. So um, with that in mind, I can almost guarantee you that the top headlines of the day, that the number one headline of the day is 100% dependent upon where you are. (laughs) It's dependent on geography and what's going on with you physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, and yes, spiritually. Trust me when I tell you, if there's a house fire or a flood, an amber alert, a shooting in your community, that's the number one headline of the day. That is what is going to drive the conversation of the day where you are. It's all anyone can think about, and rightly so. If there's a child missing in your community, I mean, that is the right thing for every single human being to be focused on with all of their attention. It is the crisis of the moment for you as a neighbor. Nothing going on in the rest of your state or the nation or the world is going to matter as much to you as the news affecting you and your neighbors right where you are. 
Um, it is the place that you most effectively serve and love and share and experience and extend the love of Christ and transform the day. So what's the news where you live? What is the news where you live? Um, and how are you going to bring the mind of Christ to bear on that reality? That is the most rubber-meets-the-road way to approach um, the conversation of the day. So I was thinking back, and I thought to myself, all right, when I was a kid, like, what do I remember from the headlines when I was a kid? Because obviously, if it's still sticking with me at 55, then it was pretty sticky, right? So I, I remember. I remember when the Skyway Bridge collapsed. I remember when Stephanie Barksdale's dad went to prison. I remember when the rain fell so fast and so hard that our storm drains couldn't handle it. I remember evacuating for a hurricane. I remember the year there were riots in the part of the city called Ybor City. I, I remember the year the NFL expanded and we got a new franchise called the Buccaneers. I remember when they went from worst to first. It was a full page headline, worst to first, and a picture of the Bucks. I remember the tragedies and the triumphs of our neighbors. I remember the community controversy over building a road now called the Crosstown Expressway. I remember when a friend of my dad's was elected to be the mayor. I remember the county fair. I remember when there was something in our community that was just this small get-together called Gasparilla. The news where you live and the news where you lived when you were a kid, it probably wouldn't make the headline news in the nation or around the world. But it is what captures our attention and frames our worldview. I'm pretty sure if you ask the people I grew up with, one of the things that they would remember is when my dad died my sophomore year of high school. What has your attention right where you live? And how together could we bring the mind of Christ to bear on that headline of the day? If you want to share the quote-unquote headline news from where you are, the text line is always open, 877-933-2484. What has the attention of your community? What is of greatest concern right where you live? Text me, 877-933-2484. We're going to turn our attention to some headlines dominating uh, the big papers and the big um, news outlets of the day. Next, uh, up first is going to be what's happening at the U.S. southern border. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, what would be the top five things to know today? Well, I'm pretty sure that most uh, most of you, if you were to Google, you know, top five things to know today, it doesn't really matter where you are. Um, Leading the list is either going to be what's going on uh, in the U.S. Congress or, which, you know, by the way, is just a continuation of what was going on yesterday and the day before. They need to elect a new Speaker of the House before they can do anything else. And um, I don't think it's going to get done today, so... 
uh, you know, don't you, you can't influence it really. So worry yourself not. Just be praying for them. Um, so the uh, the other headline that's really dominating the news today here in the United States of America, globally, what's dominating the news is an attack um, by Russia in Ukraine that has had some devastating effects. It's a major, a major bombing of a um, of a grocery store, essentially in uh, in Kiev, and and obviously those who were killed were non-combatant just people going about their day-to-day life. So um, very, very tragic headlines uh, in relationship to the war in Ukraine. Um, Here in the United States, uh, two headlines, and depending on which source you read, one of these will uh, come up first, but they're related. And so it doesn't really matter which order you take them in, take them both. Uh, Here they are. The mayor of New York City, the mayor of New York City is on a four-day tour of Mexico, Colombia, and Ecuador. This is not a vacation. Eric Adams is seeking to personally dissuade people from continuing their trek from Venezuela and more than 100 other countries around the world uh, through Mexico to the United States. He is specifically discouraging people from trying to make their way to his city if and when they do cross the border. Um, back at home in the state of New York, uh, Eric Adams is seeking to change New York law. He sent a letter on Tuesday urging a judge to dismiss the city's legal obligation to provide shelter to adults, claiming that the 1981 law should be void because they are in a state of emergency. Um, he sent the letter to the New York Supreme Court Justice Erica Edwards, and he warned that the huge influx uh, of more than 122,000 people um, who have arrived in the Big Apple just this year alone shows, quote, uh, no signs of abating. He cited a staggering 159 percent increase in the number of people um, who are now occupying the city's, uh, they are, are under the city's, quote, unquote, care. So that's just in one uh, less than, well, it's a calendar year plus a few months. Um, 159% increase. It's it's more people than the city of New York. Not not that the people of the city of New York could handle, but that the city, um, as a as an institution, as an agency, that the city, like right, city government is trying to figure out how to shelter 122,000 desperate people who have arrived just this year. Um, so when we talk about the city of New York, who are we talking about? Because there are a lot of empty, uh, empty rooms and people in the city of New York who could be personally caring um, for migrants who have arrived. I'm just saying that, like, right, there's a different way to approach the conversation than just uh, assuming that the government is going to handle all of it. All right. So then there's this related headline. Um, this uh, is important. Um, No matter which side of the political aisle you are on, um, if you are on the northern side of the U.S. southern border, particularly if you live anywhere in a border state, um, you have been worried, uh, very, very worried about the porous nature of the border. And you will remember that the prior administration was committed to the construction of a border wall. And that one of the reasons that the current president is president is he uh, campaigned on there not being a border wall and was committed to there not being a border wall. And once Joe Biden became the president of the United States, border wall construction stopped 
I mean, immediately. It stopped immediately. So this will be an interesting headline, and it is related to the conversation uh, that New York City can't handle uh, migrants who have arrived and are trying to dissuade them from coming. And cities and towns and small communities all across the country um, dealing with the influx of, of people from around the world. So this is a related headline. The Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas waived 26 federal laws on Wednesday. With the stroke of a pen, by the way. He waived 26 federal laws in order to allow for the immediate construction of a border wall in South Texas. He wants to resume the construction of the border wall that was suspended in 2021 when President Biden took office. Here is a sentence from um, what uh, the the Department of Homeland Security Secretary um, sent. Uh, He said, there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States in the project areas. Mayorkas, um, this is a, the notice that he sent to uh, you know all agencies of the federal government. The new construction project will add an additional 20 miles to the border wall. This will be in Starr County, Texas, which has reported um, an area, which is reported to be an area experiencing, quote, high illegal entry. Okay, so in the midst of this, what can we do and how do we pray? We're going to pray the news. We are going to pray the news. We're going to pray for people living on both sides of the border. We're going to pray for Border Patrol agents. We're going to pray for people in positions of decision making. We're going to pray for reform of U.S. immigration. We're going to pray for people, the people who are seeking a better life for themselves and their families. We're going to pray for the desperate circumstances from which they come. We're going to pray for those in government responsible for not only the care of those crossing the border, but then what happens next? We're going to pray for churches and agencies and communities where millions of people now live in the United States, but have a waning hope and a growing desperation because our laws prevent them from working. We're going to pray for creative solutions and common sense and uncommon grace and a whole different spirit toward the reality that there are people here now and they're not going anywhere else. This is the place that's going to become their home. So how is that going to happen? All right, one more headline today as we bring the mind of Christ to bear. Let's see. Uh, Student loan payments are due again. Um, That's probably an important thing for you to note if you weren't aware. It's time to to start repaying your student loans. Um, Nobody won the Powerball lottery. Uh, So if you bought a ticket, you know, you made a contribution uh, to to what will now be a $1.4 billion jackpot in Saturday's drawing. Um, But even if you win... Even if you win, you won't be anywhere close to the Forbes 400 list of richest Americans. So Forbes has been aggregating this list for some time, and it's just been released. And so there's actually a lot of news related to it. Who's on it? Who's no longer on it? Um, What do you need to get on it or stay on it? Um, And it reminded me of the entire conversation that Jesus, uh, that is recorded in in, um, Luke chapter 12. And I commend the entirety of Luke chapter 12 to you today. Somebody from the crowd asked Jesus a financial question about the division of inheritance. And Jesus is like, dude, I'm not, we're not, don't, don't try to make me the arbiter and judge over such an earthly matter. 
And then he says, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And that's when he told them this parable of um, the, the rich man who produced plenty, thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got nowhere to store all of this. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns I have and build bigger ones. And that's where I'll store all of this grain and all of these goods. And, and then I will say to my soul, you have ample goods laid up for so many years. Rel- relax, eat, drink, and be merry. We would call that retirement. And Jesus, or God, Jesus says, God said to the man, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things um, that you've, you've all got stored up, what, whose are those going to be? The one who lays up treasures for himself is not rich toward God. And then Jesus turned his attention away from wealth to the very anxiety of the people um, in the midst of poverty right in front of him and was just like, don't, don't worry. Don't, don't worry about the things of this life. God knows you need them and God cares for you. Um, consider the birds, consider the lilies, right? Um, don't seek that which is wasting away. Um, your father knows what you need. Instead, seek the kingdom and everything else is going to be added unto you. Jesus then says, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves um, with, uh, the, the, with things that don't grow old. Store up for yourselves, what? Treasures in heaven, where a thief cannot approach and moth will not destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You may not be on the Forbes 400 list. My guess is you're not. But you're on a much more important list, um, a, a list where things are counted in eternity. So let's be storing up our treasures there. Again, I commend the entirety of Luke chapter 12 to your reading today. Where in the word are you today? I'm in Luke chapter 12. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Um, we're going to continue um, our conversation in just a moment. Dan DeWitt is going to join us, but maybe we'll work the Friday farm report in right here. Um, let's see. I'm going to call it tire week. It's been tire week on the farm. It's actually still tire week on the farm. Uh, the tractor blew a tire. The ranger blew a tire. And we have two bikes in the garage right now with flat tires. I don't know. It's tire week. It's also um, chigger week. Jim has like more than 100 chigger bites. It's awful. You cannot get a good night's sleep. So nobody can get a good night's sleep. So that's going on. Uh, we, it's time to turn the garden and plant for the fall. Um, let's see, this next week, we're going to be taking care of our neighbor's flock of seven chickens, in addition to everything else on our own farm, because it's fall break where we live, and lots of folks on our street are taken off for the week. Um, oh, and we got to repair the roof over the equipment shed. Two limbs pierced through the metal roof during a storm. Yeah, that's the uh, Friday Farm Report here from where I live. What's going on where you live? You can let me know. Text me, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Dan DeWitt is back with us. He's a senior fellow at Southwest Baptist University. He also produces something called Theolatte.com. And on Theolatte.com, uh, you can find the, um, the Worldview Reader. And if you scroll down the Worldview Reader this week, um, you're going to see not only things that Dan has written, but articles that he has teed up for our um, thought uh, and conversation. Dan, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. How are you doing? 
I'm, I am well. Uh, leading your list of, uh, of topical concerns, the arrest in the Tupac Shakur killings stemmed from Biggie Smalls' death investigation. You know, you're, you're always bringing us things that, you know, may not be otherwise on our radar. Yeah, you know, I, I am a hip hop head. I love hip hop. <laughs> I can so, I can hear you um, smiling, by the way. I, can, <laughs> I I actually oddly know more about this story than most people might assume. I am not a hip hop fan, but this actually has been a conversation driving uh driving some parts of the news. So go ahead. Go ahead and tell us, hip hop fan, what do we need to know about this? Well, you know, even in I, I think of a recent Lecrae and who else is in it? Maybe Andy Minio song. They have a line that says, I'm coming in hot, feeling like Pac back in 9-4 when he took five shots. And that's in a Christian hip hop song. And it's a reference to Tupac Shakur's shooting, which was connected to the death of another hip hop artist um, whose name who was referred to as Biggie Smalls. And so they just arrested and charged with murder um, the final person, Dwayne Keith Davis, um, who is connected to both of the killings. And it seems like I was listening to one report this morning on it that he was kind of bragging about it, feeling like he didn't get proper due to his role in their deaths and in their murders. And in so bragging about it, um, ended up being prosecuted. So that's what you get for bragging about it. But this is a piece of a um, from a shooting from a long time ago that is just now um, coming together. So check out the link if you're at all interested in reading more about the death of Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls. Well, and at the 2011 um, White House Correspondents' Dinner, it was the reference to this that when Obama was um, President Obama, then President Obama was, uh, well, let's say roasting someone in the audience whose name is Donald Trump. It, it is in relationship to this that uh, Obama made a mm. joke and President or then Mr. Trump um, determined. I mean, this is what he says. That is the moment when I determined uh, that I was going to run against, you know, I was going to run for the presidency. Like, so I'm just saying, like, wow. this story, this story has so many, like, strange little turns. Um, it's, it, it is a provocative conversation starter for the day. All right. Um, also on your list uh, is, uh, is something from the Big Think. And the question is, what is life? The basic question defies science. Um, this is a Marcelo uh, Gleiser piece. Well, what is life? I mean, that is a big question, right? I mean, that is a that is an important question. It's an essential question. Not everybody comes up with the same answer. Yeah. And this is, you know, I mean, they talk about things like fire. Is fire alive? You know, fire, you know, is 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 spreading and that, you know, um, is a hurricane alive? And then they touch on issues that would would seem central. We've all you know, at some point heard someone mention, even if we've not reflected on it ourselves. But I think most of us probably have. Like, where did life come from? And on the secular worldview, at some point, life happened in the past. And so we don't really know where matter came from. Um, but the Big Bang presupposes that there's something prior to the Big Bang. And I have a link to an interesting article about um, about that as well in the listed articles. But we don't really know where matter came from. And as the atheist theoretical physicist Lawrence Krauss says in his book, we don't really know where um, the laws that govern this matter come from. 
We don't know exactly what energy is, as John Lennox from Oxford University so aptly points out. So we have all these questions about what is anything, but then how did life emerge out of this non-rational matter that we don't even know where the matter came from? And so they write in the article, the mystery lies in the why, or to be specific, on the strange transition from non-living matter to living matter, which happened on this planet 3.5 billion years ago. And they go on to make sure people know that they're not trying to give a religious answer. So they say, this is absolutely no descent into creationism or into some sort of life force mysticism. It's a bare bones scientific question that is really hard to even pose properly. Well, they make it sound as though they're not looking for some <laughs> kind of non-scientific answer, but they're recognizing science itself cannot answer this questions. And so we find ourselves in the desperate situation where we can't figure out life on our own. We need the author of life to explain it to us. We're in need of a God who not only exists, but who reveals himself. I mean, they actually confess science can't even ask a good question about it. I mean, it's not only that That's science right. can't answer the question. They're basically saying from a from a scientism worldview, we can't even ask a good question about it. Um, and because you can't posit a scientific theoretical answer that is satisfactory um, because there's always something before and behind whatever question you might ask from a scientific worldview. And so, I mean, you, you're going to get to God. You, you spend enough time in this question. You spend enough time exploring, um, you know, the questions that lead to the ultimate question. And you're 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 going to you're going to end up at God. There's nowhere else to go. So. Um, I'm I'm thrilled by the exploration. I'm not derailed in the conversation by references to, um, you know, hundreds of millions of years ago or things like that. I just I don't let those kinds of things derail me. I stay focused on, wow, this person is really asking a question that is important for every person um, to explore and, and answer. Uh, and I'm going to stick with them in this uh, in this exploration. Um, that is, is this good stuff. Okay, you have written some things as well. Hey, let me just uh, remind you, we're talking to Dan DeWitt. Um, I'm pulling things from his Worldview Reader, posted at theolatte.com. There's some things here that you don't want to miss, like astronomers have detected six massive galaxies so old they can't be explained by science. Um, a uh, a piece by uh, Justin Brierley, who was just here on the show, and it's uh, it's about the collapse of new atheism and the tide of those turning to belief in God. Um, there's an article about a, a, a football coach who is now under fire for participating in a mass baptism of some 200 students. I mean, on and on and on. There's all kinds of great stuff posted here. Dan, you have also uh, written some provocative things this week. Um, let's talk about moths and multiplication. <laughs> yeah, I was invited to write a chapter for an academic book on evangelism. And not only was I asked to write a chapter for that, but they did a conference um, where all the people who wrote a chapter for the book were the breakout speakers. And so some of the keynote speakers you would be familiar with, Hal Poe, who's a C.S. Lewis scholar, Ed Stetzer, and others. Um, but I was asked to talk about evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication and say something new, interesting, <laughs> and provocative, right? And so these are kind of the kind of things that, you know, the church has always been about. These are the kind of things we learn about in Sunday school. Um, but I wanted to at least be able to get someone's interest to get them to consider these age-old truths that are a part of what Jesus's final words. And as Ed Stetzer 
uh, really put it well, Jesus's last words should be our first priority. And Jesus's last words were that we would go into the world and make disciples. And so I've served on several different church staffs over the years, in addition to teaching, and there's always kind of this tug of war, you know, what are you going to give more energy to reaching unsaved persons or to discipling people who already know Jesus? And so often we look at this issue as kind of like this, you know, this dilemma, we have to choose either evangelism or discipleship. And what I wanted to do is to give an, an example and a metaphor an analogy that would say, no, these actually are not enemies. They have a necessary dependent relationship on one another. So I went out in quest of a helpful analogy, and I found um, the Joshua tree. So the Joshua tree is an iconic symbol of life in the Mojave Desert. And so it gives an ecosystem where, you know, different species who otherwise would not be able to live in the, the you know, the desperate situation of the desert, they, they could find life with the Joshua tree, whose name, of course, means the Joshua tree means salvation. The Joshua tree, as wonderful as it is, wouldn't have a prayer if it wasn't for the yucca moth. And so there's a relationship between the yucca moth and this tree where they absolutely need each other. And so the flower that blooms on the Joshua tree has very little pollen, so it doesn't attract bees, um, And but it still needs to be pollinated or it has very little nectar rather. And so the yucca moth intentionally will plant its seeds and help pollinate the Joshua tree so it will survive. And in turn, its babies, when they hatch, have their very first meal from the seeds of that um, flower. And so it's what's referred to as an obligate symbiotic relationship, which just means that the two need each other to survive. And I give this presentation to say, should we focus on evangelism or should we focus on discipleship? Actually, the two have a dependent relationship. They exist for each other. And when God is joined together, let no man separate. And only God could have come up with that. Like, God makes the God makes the Joshua tree and he makes the yucca moth because uh, he wants Dan DeWitt to have uh, an example. He wants him to have a, a way to, to talk about um, the relationship of evangelism and discipleship to 21st century Christians who have lost sight of um, both of those callings in the life of, of the church, right? I mean, this is like— I'm not saying that that's the only reason that the Joshua sure. tree and, and the yucca moth exist, but how gracious of God, right, to provide examples in creation that um, help us understand um, our obligate symbiotic relationship as members of the body of Christ, as um, as co-missionaries with Christ in the world today. I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. So thank you um, for bringing forth the story of the salvation tree, the Joshua tree. If you haven't, yes. uh, you want to know more, like uh, it's not all unpacked here, but um, but Dan gives us a, a nice summary of his thoughts on this in an article called Of Moths and Multiplication. It's posted at theolatte.com and it is in this week's Worldview Reader. We're going to, um, we're going to take a very brief break. And when we come back, we're going to play with the word lawful and un lawful and awful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is awful and what is lawful? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Hey, we're talking with our friend Dan DeWitt. Uh, You can find what we're talking about at Theolatte.com. All right, Dan, what's the difference between that which is lawful, unlawful, and just plain awful? (laughs) Well, uh, about a month ago, I think it was when I was in Texas to teach at the prison, which you so kindly let me share about. And that was a transformative experience there. And that prison has been um, there's been a statewide lockdown on maximum security prisons for the last several weeks since I left. There was a murder Mm. in the prison where where I was um, lecturing at not long, Mm. not long ago. But while I was there, I was driving down the interstate and I saw a sign that just captured my attention. And it said, littering is awful. And if if it wouldn't have been awful for me to try and pull over really quickly and take a picture, <laughs> I would have taken a picture. Um, but I thought that's that's a great message. But it was like a it wasn't like a homemade sign. It was an actual government sign. And I thought, how interesting. But as I looked closely at the sign, the the letters U N and L were very small next to the word awful. And so what it actually said was littering is unlawful. But what they were trying to do in a really clever way is to not merely say, you know, if you think about it this way to 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 your head, this is a a law you can't break, but they were also trying to capture the the reader's heart. Not only is littering against the law, it's actually awful. And in so doing what they're doing is is something CS Lewis wrote about a long time ago which is to shape our affections. It's not merely enough to have the right content in kind of a cerebral cognitive way. I know what the law is. I can't do this or I can't do that, but also form the way we feel about those things. And so what the state of Texas is doing is recognizing that it's going to be much more potent, much more personal and powerful for them to get someone to see littering as an awful thing, not merely unlawful. And C.S. Lewis in his book, The Abolition of Man, which is a wonderful book, it's an academic talk. It's not the best place to start with C.S. Lewis, to be totally honest, uh, because it is a bit dense at times, but it's this powerful, wonderful argument that he felt like in his day, the educators were, were moving away from trying to shape affections. And he said that sometimes they feel like students are too emotional. So we need to focus more, less on how they having the right kind of feelings towards things. And Lewis wrote this. I'll just, the best way to to do it would be to quote him. Lewis said, for every one pupil who needs to be guarded against a weak excess of sensibility, there are three who need to be awakened from the slumber of cold vulgarity. The task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. The right defense against false sentiments is to inculcate just sentiments. 
And so that what that sign was doing is exactly what Lewis talked about. It's trying to shape our sentiments towards, in this case, throwing something outside of your window instead of saving it for a proper trash can. Because we have people who care about you, um, somebody in Texas sent in a picture of the sign and I have posted it on your Twitter feed. That is awesome. Thank you. Because, you know, people care that, about you, Dan. I hope they were safe when they well, took the I, picture. I think they must have already <laughs> had it, like, right? Because there's no way you just, like, are pulling over right now and snapping. Well, plus, the sky is too blue in the background. So this gotcha. uh, this sign saw, caught someone else's attention at some point, and they already had it on their, you know, on their phone. And so there you go. Now you have it, too. We share because we you know, care. Thank you very much yeah, for sharing. We're here to serve you, man. We're yeah. So yeah. I do think that this question about I think this we could dig around for, you know, a minute here. Because something is awful, like literally, we know it's wrong. It's just morally repugnant, does not necessarily mean it's unlawful in the land in which That's we right. live. And That's right. so I think that distinction is a good talking point for Christians today as well. Yeah. And, you know, since seeing that sign, I have, it's not that I had not thought about this before. I mean, I, you know, we've all thought about how do we have the proper, you know, feelings towards certain sins rather than just knowing they're wrong. Um, Because sin is seductive and sin can be fun for a season and sin can be momentarily fulfilling. How do we get over that allure and that attraction and have the right kind of repulsion towards it. John Owen talks about this, um, you know, in his book, The Mortification of Sin. How do Mm. we stop in the moment of temptation and ask, you know, where is this? What is the outcome? If I give into this temptation, where is it taking me? And so that sign gave me a good, helpful reminder, even for my parenting. And so I've used that language, even with my kids. Recently, one of my one of my younger kids um, was upset about something. He kind of threw a temper tantrum. And in sharing with them, I said, you know, that's to talk to your parents that way and to be upset in that way and kind of, you know, blow off steam like you did. That's awful. That's a disgusting attitude before God. Mm. And so that Texas sign has even influenced my, my parenting in recent days. Um, I'm only about halfway through it, but Rosaria Butterfield's um, five lies of our anti-Christian age, absolutely Mm. worth reading on this point. Ab- absolutely worth reading her her personal testimony and her sense of because uh, she talks about the mortification of sin. She talks about how we should feel, how we should feel about sin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just uh, I'll lift that up to you for, you know, your future reading. All right, Dan, we got to leave it right there. As always, um, thank you so, so very much. We love talking with you. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about sin? How do you feel about it? What is your affect toward sin like do you is it do you hate it i mean do you are you repulsed by it or you know do you confess that there's a seduction there like there's things about sin that we like we wouldn't be drawn to it if there weren't something about it that we thought was going to satisfy some desire which means that we need a transformation of our desires we need a change of heart this isn't just about recognizing that something is right or wrong. It is about um, having a different affection. And so in loving God and in cultivating a love of God and in asking God to um, e- e- expel 
those desires for that which is contrary to his will, that which is awful. Fill those spaces in us, God, with a desire for you, the expulsive power of a new affection, as Thomas Chalmers once said. All right, we're going to continue our conversations here together on Mornings with Carmen. You're listening to Faith Radio. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.